Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Financial Commute. I'm joined by Bruce Tyson, wealth advisor and partner here at Morton Wealth. Bruce comes to us with almost 40 years of giving investment advice to clients. He's been through a lot. You and I are both kind of investment dorks. We love to talk about investments and what's going on in the markets. One of the things that's come up recently is the fact that the Federal Reserve has kept interest rates low for so long. Safe money was earning zero for the last 10 to 14 years that it caused clients to go farther and farther out on the risk spectrum to try to get their money to work for them. Right. And it caught some people by surprise this year now that interest rates have moved up. Inflation has been sort of a fear out there. Stocks have come down anywhere from 18 to 25 percent for the year. Um, you know, bonds or fixed income safe money is down, call it, you know, low to mid teens. And it's caught some people by by surprise. You know, tell us a little bit about like what you've seen in your life over the years in terms of crises and um, and recessions and, and that. Right. So I've been through the the eighty seven crash, the, the internet bubble bursting in two thousand. Uh, there have been you know the, the great financial crisis in uh, uh, two thousand eight and nine, and then we've had you know we had a market dislocation in two thousand fifteen, two thousand. Uh, 18, 2020, right. and now here. And I see there's been, like lately, there's been a compression of volatility and it uh, seems like every couple of years. Yeah. And I've been in this uh, business now 40, over 40 years. And I think about how many two-year periods have I been through? <laughs> right. I've been through, depending on how you're counting, I've, I've been through at least 20 two-year periods. Right. And they go by pretty fast. Yeah. They make things interesting. I mean, yeah. obviously, there are opportunities that come out of any one of these two-year periods that are interesting. Right. Keeping interest rates at zero for so long, the only probably good thing about it was people could borrow money or refinance their mortgage very, very cheaply, and it right. feels like free money. I mean, if you've got a 25 or 3% mortgage and inflation's at 7 or you can earn 4% on a short-term U.S. Treasury right now, you feel like it's free money. Right. Um, what do you think some of the other risks that people face now that now that the Fed is raising interest rates and we're seeing some volatility in the market? Well, one thing we're facing is uh, recency bias. So mm -hmm. we think whatever happened yesterday is just going to continue. Right. And uh, that typically you know, does not happen like that. So people are very fearful because the market's dropped quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, both the stock market and the bond market have dropped quite a bit. And um, particularly the bond market is down um, in the last 50 years. This is the worst year by a long shot. Right. And so people think it's just going to keep going. Um, that tends not to happen. And now that we have, uh, we actually have interest rates that, that we can invest in. You know, right. One of the problems we've had over the last you know, decade or so is that retirees, other savers, they couldn't earn really any money. And so they would, you know, take more risks and right. be led into things that, you know, really didn't make sense for them. Right. Know, high risk investments that had no cash flow, just the hope of, you know, of, of making money. Yeah. Uh, in fact, they did make money. Some made money and then they gave it all back. Right. As the, as, as interest rates rose, that meant that the, the, the calculation of the math of how, how to value, a, say, for example, the stock, yeah. that dictated that as interest rates rise, 
stocks are worthless. Yeah. It's just math. And uh, most people are not aware of that. And so uh, that's been, you know, so people round tripped a lot of their possibly good investments right. you know, early on. I mean, last year was interesting. I mean, the U.S. market was up 27% sort of out of nowhere. I mean, people made a lot of money in stocks last year. And then now this year, they've pretty much given back all those gains. Mm -hmm. But the big fundamental shift has been around inflation, raising interest rates. And so short-term U.S. Treasuries went from yielding almost zero to about 35 to almost 4% today. So there really is opportunity for right. investors. Right to earn something with safe money. Yes. Um, and the flip side of that is that because rates were low, mm -hmm. um, certain institutional investors, the big pension funds, and you saw this happen in England last in, in October, uh, a lot of, if, if pension funds mostly, the, the big uh, defined benefit plans, they have to earn, usually they try to earn 7%. Right. That's their bogey. And they can, they've been able to do that with stocks, but with interest rates super low, you can't make 7% on bonds if interest rates are at 2%. Right. So what they would do is hire out hedge funds to lever it up. So borrow, like for every million dollars they invest, they're going to borrow three. Which is not a problem if you can borrow at zero, right? Yeah, you can borrow it. You can borrow low. It's great. You make your you make your bogey. Yeah. But uh, if interest rates suddenly spike and the bonds you bought drop a lot in value, then you get margin calls. Yeah. And uh, that was what happened in, in England. And uh, just because the drop was so great, it was outside of the band of what the hedge funds thought they could, you know, they could protect against. Right. So being levered up uh, with uh, with low low interest rates yeah. uh, can be problematic because, again, there's this misallocation of capital. People don't really expect uh, they don't really understand ramifications if things don't go right. Yeah. So it's November of 2022. The Fed, inflation is still a headline risk that the Fed is trying to solve for. Mm -hmm. They're meeting this week to talk about, you know, raising rates again. Mm -hmm. I think consensus is somewhere around 50 basis point rate hike or mm -hmm. one half of a percent. Some people might be thinking that it might be three quarters yeah. of a percent or 75 basis points. Um, at what point do you think the Fed might stop or pump the brakes on, on raising rates at the fear of the market falling or... Do you think that they're they're not really concerned with that? I think they're concerned with it, but I think they they want to show uh, that they're strong because they were they made so many mistakes <laughs> leading up to this. Right. I mean, this whole idea that inflation was transitory that was a pipe dream, and you had you had um, some voices like Larry Summers, who used to be Secretary of the Treasury. Yeah. Uh, he uh, he was saying as you know as an outside voice that you know start raising rates in twenty. 21 and uh, he was poo-pooed and uh, so people some of the people that are in power now I mean, Laura, uh, Jay Powell and uh, Janet uh, Janet Yellen they're kind of trying to be show that they're tough now when they weren't tough before yeah so I think there's a pressure on them to, to stay tough but also they don't want to get again behind the curve on the other way so I think yeah it's, it's just it's tough to know exactly but um, I think I think we'll see 75 basis points yeah. this month in November. The next one, December, it's a tough call between 50 and 75. Yeah, I was talking with a mortgage broker the other day. Obviously, borrowing money to buy a home is a lot more expensive today than it was at the start of this year. Mm -hmm. But they think that you know in 2023 or 2024, 
there might be an opportunity to refinance at a lower rate. Maybe if we were to head into a recession, rates, there's a hold on rates or they even come back down. But when you're talking to a client, something that comes up a lot lately is inflation's high, my stocks and bonds are down. I know we leverage a lot of alternatives to help protect clients and generate a lot of cash flow. But what are you advising clients to potentially do right now going forward in their ability to you know, protect themselves against inflation, generate income to maintain their lifestyle and support you know, the future generations that they have? What sort of advice are you, are you giving them right now? Well, I'm looking at the, the investments they have. And let's just say for the, for the th- portion of their portfolio that's in fixed income, mm-hmm. if it's not yielding much, uh, you know, look, I mean, you could look at some longer dated investments because rates would be higher. There's some, uh, there's some good, you know, some in some mutual funds that are bond funds that are well managed, and those funds are doing some of the internal uh, shifting right. for you. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be a bond trader. You don't have to be a bond trader. Yeah. These people are doing it for you. Yeah. So obviously, we're employing some of those. Um, I probably, you know, would not make any dramatic shifts right now. We've kind of gone too far and uh, I'm not sure we've hit, I don't probably, we haven't hit bottom on stocks yet, right. but hard, it's hard to know. But I think we've probably done, most of the damages have been done. And as things as things move up, which they will at some point, um, I think you you reevaluate and see what where you really want to be with what your objectives are. Do you want income? Do you want growth? You know, what, what are your, and what are your objectives? Yeah. So what you've been, again, advising on clients and then working with colleagues over the last 40 years on various turbulent market cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think is the biggest key for investors to, to, to have in order to be successful going forward in dealing with crisis like or, or recessions that, that we're potentially heading into? Uh, don't panic. Don't panic. Keep keep your head about you. Um, if you're you want to be in good investments generally. Yeah. Okay. If you're in a good investment uh, with good management, uh, typically that that will you know work to your advantage as opposed to buying more speculative things. Where you know some of those some of the investments uh, that I saw people buy back in the tech bubble, mm-hmm. those those uh, companies vanished. Yeah. So you might see, oh, the the Nasdaq was down eighty or ninety percent, but then ultimately it came back and you know over time su- surpassed the old. It took fifteen years. <laughs> it took fifteen years. But if you were in one of those, if you bought the index, fine. Yeah. If you bought some of those speculative companies, they never made it back. Right. And so I think broad diversification and through some kind of fund. Uh, or just some gigantic company like, you know, like a Microsoft right. or a Google. So the key to investing in this environment is high quality. So yeah. if you're investing in stocks, you want stocks that have really good balance sheets and actually generate a positive, you know, cash flow. Right. They're not having to continue to borrow or issue stock to stay alive. They actually have positive cash flow come right. in, maybe potentially pay a dividend to investors. Right. That would be high quality from a stock perspective. Right. From a bond perspective, what does that look like? Again, you want um, you want some flexibility. I mean, some of the things that we invest in have floating rates. So, as you know, as rates have risen here, mm-hmm. uh, we're getting paid more. Yeah. Um, so that's you know that's helpful. Um, I think um, I think some of the problems actually some of the problems in the bond indexes 
some of there are problems in the bond indexes. So you really need to know what you're investing in. So, in, for example, in the stock market, yeah. if you look at the S&P 500 or any other big index fund, yeah. the biggest market capitalization company, so you know Microsoft, Google, was Facebook, Apple. but Apple, yeah. they're the biggest components. And in the bond market, the biggest bond funds are the, the composition is made up, the biggest elements of that composition are the companies with the most debt. Yeah. So the the worst, I'll, I'll use a, a not nice word, the worst company. The least healthy company. <laughs> so yeah, the, the biggest debtors yeah. are the biggest components of, say, the the uh, the corporate bond index yeah. fund. There are some corporate, you know, investment grade corporate bond index funds have done terribly this year. Yeah. Because the biggest, you know, the biggest components are poor, you know, highly indebted companies. Yeah. So you need to know what you're owning. So again, stay with quality and just because it says investment grade. It doesn't mean it's quality. Uh, a huge chunk, it might be as much as, I don't know the number, but as much as half, let's say, of the investment grade bond index are triple B bonds, which are one notch above junk. Right. And if they get de- downgraded, now you have a whole bunch of junk stuff. Yeah. So that's one reason why the, that investment grade bond fund dropped more than the index. This dropped year. more than the index, yeah. yeah. You mentioned diversification and patience being two important things. How easy is it to find diversification using traditional assets these days, like stocks and bonds? Um, you can diversify um, uh, across different asset classes. You know, within stocks, you know there are. It's not just the S and P five hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, as we know from last year, the uh, the the top ten stocks comprised, you know, thirty percent of the whole index, while the bottom one hundred. Was barely the same as the as the most valuable company. Right. So so the bottom ones don't get any play. So you want to have diversification across uh, uh, types like growth, value, uh, large, small, um, you know, um, international, some international in there too. Right. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, the, the decade from the first decade decade of the century, right, um, two thousand to two thousand ten. Yeah, international did great. What was it? Yeah, Close to nine percent yeah, annualized, right. and, and then, then the and U.S. Then, market was flat. Yeah, the U.S. market was flat. Yeah, and you know, last decade the U.S. market was great, um, but going into this decade, it could flip again. Yeah. So you never know what's going to happen, and there are just so many things that are going on with the dollar getting super strong. That's confounded things. I mean, gold's in a, you know is a diversifier, and people in this country, you know, in the in the U.S. think, well, it hasn't done that well this year. But in but versus the euro, the yen, the pound, the Chinese yeah. currency, gold is up against all those. Right. Um, because there's a need for people, you know, they want to own yeah. something that's sort of transportable. But the dollar's been so strong this year that that that's uh, gold hasn't been great this year. But it's fascinating that gold denominated in any other currency than the U.S. dollar. It's right. actually positive for the right. And Turkey was up thirty percent. No Turkey. kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So you know it's. Uh, so you never know which is the one place to be. What you want to be in, you want investments that are strong and that uh, you know that, that, has, that have um, that are high quality. Yeah. And that will that's probably high quality and staying power are probably the two most important things. Yeah. What other asset classes beyond stocks, bonds, or potentially gold do you think that investors should consider looking more further into to help diversify or generate cash flow or even possibly even growth? 
Well, there's real estate. Okay. That's a that's been historically been a great uh, investment. Um, you know, there are public real estate funds like REITs that you know can do well. Real estate investment trusts. Yes. Um, there are private uh, private real estate funds. Those are tougher because it's hard to evaluate those. Yeah. Um, again, you want to go with you know with with track record there, and yeah. and you want to avoid a lot of those funds have huge amounts of fees involved. So yeah. you want to avoid that. Um, there are, I mean, we, we're doing something with um, whiskey barrel aging, which is, you know, pretty esoteric. But right. um, there are, you know, if you work with um, with seasoned professionals, those, those yeah. can be available to you. So again, going back to the biggest takeaways, in times of volatility, it's important to stay patient really evaluate your needs, whether you need growth or income, and then working with your advisor to have a diversified approach to combat those challenges that you're facing in terms of needing to beat with inflation or generate the income that you're looking for. Um, Bruce, it's it's been a lot of fun having you on. I feel like we could talk for hours about all the it's different o- things that people, over. <laughs> people can do. Well, not unless you want, if there's any other points you, you'd no, like to make. No, I think that's, uh, that's yeah. good. I think that's good. Good uh, roundup. Perfect. Good. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks.